The following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new. Good morning, IBC. My name is Sissy, I'm one of the pastors here. So good to be with you this morning. If you weren't here last week and you're wondering, is a hot dog a sandwich? I must know. Go back, listen to last week's message and you'll find the answer. But this morning, we're in the second week of our series that we're calling The Questions of Jesus. Because often when we come to Jesus, we come with a lot of questions. And our questions are important and valuable. But what if, instead of bringing our questions to Jesus, we paid attention to the questions that Jesus asks us? Because Jesus asks a lot of questions. Jesus' questions were meant to wake up his listeners and to stir up a response. His questions cause us to think, to reflect on our lives, and his questions change us. And so in this series, we're going to be taking a closer look at some of these questions that Jesus asked so that we might reflect on our lives, learn from his teaching, and be transformed to live the way of Jesus in our world. Now, uh, last week, we looked at a scene where Jesus asked this question, who do you say I am? And this morning, we're going to take a look at the second part of that scene where Jesus asked yet another question. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? Ryan Holiday is a New York Times bestselling author. He's written books such as The Daily Stoic and The Obstacle is the Way, which have sold millions of copies. And a couple years ago, Ryan wrote an article entitled, How It Feels to Get Everything You Ever Wanted. And in this article, he recounts how he arrived at the height of success. His book sold extremely well. They were translated into dozens of languages. He had more money than he even knew what to do with. He, he was a sought after speaker. In all the ways that Ryan had ever dreamed of, he had arrived. And then Ryan asks a question. So how does it feel to have everything you ever wanted in life and to have it earlier than you ever could have realistically expected? I can tell you, it feels like nothing. You work so long and hard to accomplish what feels like crazy pie-in-the-sky dreams. When success comes flooding in, you expect the high to last. You expect it'll feel wonderful and exciting, but it doesn't. In fact, it doesn't really feel like anything at all. Maybe it feels even worse than nothing because you expected something so different. We all think some external accomplishment is going to change everything, but it never seems to. It doesn't change what you feel like when you wake up in the morning. It doesn't change how you see yourself. It doesn't change how you go through the world. And Ryan isn't the only one to feel this way. In her documentary, Miss Americana, 12-time Grammy Award winner and music icon Taylor Swift talks about the moment when her album 1989 came out and utterly dominated the music industry. And since then, Taylor has garnered even greater success and fame so much so that last November, she broke the internet, or at least Ticketmaster, because of sales to her latest sold-out concert tour. And when she won Album of the Year for 1989, she says that the only thought that went through her head was this. Oh God, that was all you ever wanted. 
you get to the mountaintop and you look around and you're like, what now? The question that Ryan Holiday and Taylor Swift are asking is the same question that Jesus asked some 2,000 years ago. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? What if all the things that you're living for aren't actually worth living for? Maybe you're a student and all you really want is to be popular and to fit in. Or maybe for you it's career success or financial wealth. Maybe you're married and you're chasing after a happy marriage or successful and well-behaved kids. Maybe you're single and, and you just want to be married. Maybe it's your looks or your weight. What if all your striving, all your achieving, all your accomplishments, all your ladder of success climbing, all your chasing after the good life, what if it doesn't actually lead to life? At least not the kind of life that Jesus talks about. This deep rich, soul-satisfying life. Because deep inside, isn't that what we all want? What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? This is the question that Jesus asks us this morning, and his answer is an invitation to discipleship. This morning, Jesus invites us to come and die so that you might truly live. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. None of us wants to die. We're trying to do everything possible not to die. I eat more vitamins, blueberry, and kale than I ever thought possible because I don't want to die, at least not right now. But stay with me because there is a kind of death that if we really understand it, will lead us to life, the life that we're longing for. And so what I want to do this morning is to walk through this scene together, and I want to show you Jesus' invitation to discipleship. It's found in Matthew 16, 21 to 26. If you have your Bibles or your devices, turn or scroll there with me. Matthew 16, 21 to 26. And this invitation to discipleship has two parts. First, Jesus' call to discipleship is a call to die. And then secondly, Jesus' call to discipleship is a call to truly live. Now we looked at the first part of this scene last week, so let me do a little recap. Jesus has just asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter immediately responds, he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You're not just a prophet or a good teacher, you are the anointed king, the one that Israel and all the world has been waiting for. Jesus is the anointed king that ushers in his kingdom where justice and peace will reign forever. He is the son of the living God who came to save us from our sins. And then Jesus responds and he says, and you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Peter makes this incredible confession about who Jesus is. And then Jesus says, Peter, you're right. And because of your confession, I'm going to use you, Peter, to build my church, and no one and nothing will be able to stop it. Now let's pick up the rest of the story and take a look at Jesus' invitation to discipleship. Here's the first part. Jesus' Jesus call to discipleship is a call to die. Matthew 16, 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem 
and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter just made this great confession about Jesus. You are the Messiah. You're the true king, the king to end all kings. You're the king that's going to set all things right. You are the son of the living God. And then Jesus says the most shocking, appalling thing imaginable. I must go to Jerusalem and suffer and die. Now, if you're Peter and the disciples and you just come to understand that Jesus is the Messiah, like any good first century Jew, you assume that what's about to happen is that Jesus is going to march on Jerusalem, the center of religious and political power. He's going to rally an army, launch an attack, destroy his opposition, and take his rightful place as king on the throne. This is what they've been waiting for. This is what they've been taught since they were little boys. And while there were Old Testament prophecies about a suffering servant, never before had anyone connected suffering with the Messiah. The idea that the Messiah would suffer was unheard of because the Messiah was supposed to defeat evil and injustice. He was supposed to set all things right. He was supposed to rule and reign in victory. And how could he do that if he was to suffer and die? It doesn't make sense. But that's not what Jesus is up to. Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to come before the religious leaders and Pontius Pilate, the representative of Roman power, not to kill but to be killed, not to gain power, but to give away his life. The kingdom of God will advance through Jesus' suffering, humiliation, and death. Jesus says, I am the king, but I'm not the king you're expecting. Verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, here's a pro tip. This is for free. When it comes to Jesus, never rebuke Jesus. Like, it's a bad move to rebuke the Son of God. It's not going to work out for you, and it didn't work out for Peter. Peter's trying to coach Jesus, and so he takes him aside, and he rebukes him. And this is a really strong word, full of emotion. And often, I like to give Peter a hard time but I'm not really all that different from Peter because there have been so many moments in my life where I try to tell Jesus what to do. Jesus, I've got this great plan for my life. Why don't you get on board and let's go make it happen? Peter, this is what Peter does. This is what I do. Peter asks Jesus, what are you doing? This isn't the way to start a movement. You are killing the vibe here, Jesus. You are ruining morale. This is not what we signed up for. We signed up for ruling and reigning in victory, not to suffer and die. Come on, Jesus. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Jesus says, Peter, you're saying what Satan said to me in the wilderness when he tempted me. You're in my way. You're trying to stand between me and God's call on my life, the way of the cross. You are a stumbling block to me. Now, this is a play on words because if you remember, if you were here last week, in verse 18 of this chapter, Jesus has just called Peter the rock. And now he says, you're a stumbling block. During this time, there weren't sidewalks. And so it was easy to trip over a stone if you didn't pay attention to where you were walking. And so Jesus says, Peter, you're getting in my way. You're trying to trip me up. Your perspective is distorted and it's not from God. 
Jesus says, I must suffer and I must die on the cross. Peter, I am the Messiah and I'm gonna defeat all evil and injustice, but I will not do it by going to a throne, but by going to the cross. And we have in many ways prettied up the cross. I mean, I'm wearing one around my neck. But, but the cross was the epitome of violence, humiliation, and shame. Death on the cross was excruciating and horrific. You would be stripped naked, hung, and left to slowly die by suffocation. And Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem, not to live, but to die, not to rule in power, but to serve in humility, not to gain power, but to give up power. And by doing so, I will defeat evil and I will set all things right. And if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross as well. The way of Jesus is the way of the cross, the cruciform life. Verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, this is one of the things I love about Jesus. There's no bait and switch with him. Right from the start, he tells us what it means to follow him. There's no compulsion. There's no pressure. This is an invitation. You want to follow me? Embrace the cruciform life. And this is what it looks like. First, deny yourself. Jesus isn't saying you need to deny your personality. In Paul's letters, he talks about the self and he calls it our flesh. It's our tendency to rebel against God, to pursue our self-centered desires. It's our desire for self-gratification and our desire to be self-reliant. It's our desire to dominate, control, and manipulate to get our way. And Jesus says, you must deny yourself. And then secondly, he says, take up your cross. And the word picture that Jesus is using here of the cross is literal first, and then it's metaphorical. Because in Jesus' day, to take up your cross meant to go public with your discipleship to Jesus, which almost always meant death at the hands of, of the Roman Empire. And this is what happened to the disciples. Peter was crucified around 66 AD in Rome under the persecution of Nero. And tradition tells us that he was crucified upside down because he did not consider himself worthy to die the same way Jesus did. Andrew, his brother, traveled north, bringing the good news to what is now Russia. And he later traveled throughout modern-day Turkey and Greece, where he is said to have been crucified. Thomas brought the good news to India, where he was killed by soldiers with spears. And because Thomas went to India, my ancestors heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and became followers of Jesus. I am standing here today because Thomas took up his cross. And we could go on with story after story of how the disciples gave their lives. But the secondary meaning of taking up your cross is not physical death, but rather death to self. Most of us will not die because we follow Jesus. Unlike millions of people all over the world who are being persecuted because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And while we won't have to suffer in that way, for us taking up our cross might look like not getting the promotion that we want or maybe that we even deserve because we refuse to compromise our integrity. It could look like refusing to lie or gossip about someone just to get what you want. It might look like getting made fun of because 
You're not going to just do what everybody else is doing, what your friends are doing, because you follow Jesus. All of us, at some level, in some way, will have to take up our cross and die to ourselves. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes this. The cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ-centered suffering which every man must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is that dying of the old man which is the result of his encounter with Christ. As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give our lives to death. And thus it begins, the cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man or a woman, he bids him come and die. Embrace the cruciform life, a life of death to self. This is how you enter the kingdom of God. You deny yourself, you take up your cross, and you follow Jesus. Follow me, Jesus says. Jesus invites us to be with him so as to become like him and then to carry on his work in the world. Jesus invites us and he says, come, be with me, learn from me, and live as I have lived. And if you want to follow Jesus, you have to take up your cross. It's only by dying to ourselves that we experience true life with Jesus. Come and die so that you might truly live. Jesus' call to discipleship is first a call to die. But secondly, Jesus' call to discipleship is a call to truly live. Verse 25. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet lose their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The word life and soul in these two verses are the same word. It's the word psyche, and it doesn't mean physical life. The word psyche means identity or, or your true self, what makes you distinct and valuable. Jesus is saying your old way of gaining a sense of yourself, of having an identity, is done with. You must die to it. And through Jesus, you get a whole new self. You become your true self. Through me, Jesus says, you truly live. Communal cultures often say if you want to truly live, you must lose your sense of your personality or your individual self. But Jesus doesn't say that. In fact, he says he wants us to find ourselves. Individualistic cultures say that if you want to find yourself, what you have to do is identify your deepest desires and then do whatever you have to to get them met. The problem is that we all have these inner competing desires within us. I have a desire to get in shape and live a healthy life, but I also have a desire to eat excessive amounts of ice cream. <laughs> now, if you've been here the past two weeks, you probably think my diet is just hot dogs and ice cream, and I promise you that it's not. <laughs> but on a more serious note, I really want to be a loving person. I want to be more like Jesus. But there are times when I want to make hurtful comments to others because I think they've treated me unkindly. I can't just give in to my desires. Every culture holds certain things up and says, if you get these things, if you achieve these things, then you will be valuable. Then finally you will be somebody. So they might tell you, 
You're nobody until you have a family, until you get married and have kids. Or you're nobody unless you get into the right school or have a fulfilling career or until you make a lot of money or you, you have status and popularity and power. See, our world tells us that our value is achievement and performance based. And Jesus says none of that works. If you gain the whole world, you still won't find your true self. No matter what you gain, you'll never really be sure of who you are. And if anything threatens those things, if you're building your identity on getting into the right college or the love of a spouse or your children, if you're trying to find your value through your career or through your wealth or your looks, if any of those things are threatened, you will crumble. Jesus says, even if you gain the whole world, everything you ever dreamed of, all the things that you're living for that you think will give you life, those things won't be able to give you a sense of your true self. If you build your life on anything in this world, it's not secure. You'll always be afraid that you're going to lose it. It'll never be enough. And if anything threatens those things, you will crumble. But Jesus says, if you lose yourself for me, if you build your life on me, on what I have done, then you will find true life. Then you will find a sense of yourself that is secure. Then you will find your true self because you were made to know Jesus. You were made to be loved by Jesus. You were made to love Jesus. C.S. Lewis writes this. The more we get what we now call ourselves out of the way and let them take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. Until you have given up yourself to him, you will not have a real self. Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Jesus says, you've got two options. Deny me and follow yourself and you'll end up unsatisfied, a slave to your own desires and insecure in who you are. Life is hard, things go bad, relationships fail, careers end, tragedy strikes, and if we have built our lives on those things, then we lose everything. But here's option two. Deny yourself and follow Jesus, and you will experience deep satisfaction, real joy, true contentment. You will be free from the bondage of your own desires, and you will be secure in who you are. Jesus is inviting us to ask ourselves whether the things we're living for are actually worth living for. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? I shared with you last week how 11 years ago, I was living in New Jersey. I had this successful career in corporate finance. I loved what I did. My career was going well. And I had all these plans for my life. And in many ways, life was working out the way I wanted. I was also leading a Bible study, and through that, I saw God use me to help other people grow in their faith, and I loved being part of that. If you ask me, what do you do that just gives you joy, that you're most passionate about, I would tell you it's teaching God's word. But it was sort of this thing I did on the side. And about that time, I felt the Lord calling me to leave my career and to go to seminary. And I didn't want to go. Now, I didn't say no to God because you're not supposed to do that. Instead, I ignored him. And over the course of three years, God relentlessly pursued me. And I remember there was this day that I was praying and I felt God asked me, Sissy, do you really believe I am who I say I am? And I sort of got annoyed at that question. And I thought, God, of course I know you. I believe you. 
And in the next moment, I felt God ask me, then why won't you follow me? Why won't you obey me? See, I didn't want to follow Jesus because I wanted a comfortable life. And what what God was asking me to do just felt too risky. But there were other reasons why I didn't want to follow Jesus. I had built my identity, my value on the need for status and the approval of others. My parents are Indian immigrants and they came to the United States so that my siblings and I could have a better life. And they sacrificed a lot for us. And so growing up, I watched them work so hard to make ends meet. And I promised myself that I would make something out of myself. I promised myself that I would never struggle the way I watched them struggle. And I promised myself I would make all their hard work and all their sacrifice worth it. I promised myself I would be somebody. And so I worked hard and I excelled in school and I got a good job and I had a successful career. And none of those things are actually bad or wrong. But as a result, I came to find my value and worth in being successful and in my family and my friends thinking highly of me. And this came to define me so much so that when Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, I ignored him until I couldn't ignore him anymore. Because if Jesus is who he says he is, then I must follow him. And the things that I was living for weren't actually worth living for. Because in a moment, they could be taken from me. And no matter what I achieved, no matter what I got, it never satisfied me. I was always looking for more. The next opportunity, the next promotion, the next hit of approval. And I realized that I was building my life on all the wrong things. And that the only thing that would bring me real joy, deep peace, and true satisfaction was to lose my life so that I might find my life in Jesus. Friends, this is the invitation. Jesus' call to discipleship is a call to truly live. This morning, Jesus asks, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? And his answer is an invitation to discipleship. Come and die so that you might truly live. Jesus' call to discipleship is first a call to die. In his first coming, King Jesus came not to sit on a throne, but to die on a cross. Not to gain power, but to give up his power. Not to rule in power, but to serve in humility. And through the cross, Jesus rescued us. He defeated sin and death. And he says, if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross. Embrace the cruciform life and die to yourself. And listen, the longer I walk with Jesus, the more I realized that to experience true life with Jesus, I have to die to myself. It's about surrendering myself to Jesus, living without the need for control over the outcomes of my life. It's about yielding my life to Jesus based on a deep trust in his character. Unlike Peter, we don't try to get Jesus on board with our plans, but instead we surrender our lives to Jesus' plans for us. And friends, Jesus has plans for you. We deny ourselves, we take up our cross, and we follow Jesus. Friends, what do you need to die to this morning? But secondly, Jesus' call to discipleship is a call to truly live. 
If you build your life on anything else other than Jesus, you will lose your life. Even if you gain the whole world, everything that you ever dreamed of, all the things that you're living for that you think will give you life, those things will not be able to give you a sense of your true self. You'll never be really sure of who you are. And if anything threatens those things, you will crumble. But if you lose yourself for Jesus by building your life on Jesus, on on what he has done for you, then you will find true life. Then you will find your true self, which can never be lost because you are meant to know Jesus. You are meant to be loved by Jesus and you were meant to love Jesus. Are the things you're living for actually worth living for? Are you building your life on something other than Jesus? C.S. Lewis writes again, give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given uh, given away will ever be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find him, and with him, everything else thrown in. Friends, this morning, Jesus asked, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? Lose your life for Jesus, and you will find it. This morning, Jesus invites us, come and die so that you might truly live. Will you accept his invitation? Let me pray for us. Father, as we explore Jesus' question this morning, may we accept his invitation to come and die so that we might truly live. Help us to embrace the cruciform life, to die to ourselves. And if there's anything that we're building our lives on, other than Jesus, would you help us to lay that down? Help us to lose ourselves for Jesus so that we might find our true selves in Jesus. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new.